Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Good afternoon and happy feast of St. Valentine's Day. What could be more romantic than two guys debating about marital abstinence? Now, it should go without saying that this live stream is not for children. Both John and Jeff are going to take great care to use appropriate language. But notwithstanding that fact, the nature of this topic requires the utmost discretion. So please don't watch the stream anywhere near children. I've told you twice now. Today, we're going to talk about a topic which is only really quietly debated within traditional communities, traditionalist communities, uh, but is rarely addressed in public forum. Now, we know that there are extreme liberals within the church, and there can be no doubt that New Church very plainly teaches that periodic abstinence within marriage, uh, commonly referred to as natural family planning or NFP, is peddled as quote unquote Catholic birth control. Many traditionalists reject this false contraceptive teaching, yet the matter of marital abstinence remains somewhat unclarified. Today, first-time guest John Farrell, a noteworthy and outspoken critic of marital abstinence, especially NFP, across social media, will be arguing that deliberately separating fertility from marriage is a sin against nature. John is married with five children and speaks freely for himself on this issue, totally unhampered. Jeff Kassman, no stranger to RTF, will be taking the opposite point of view. Jeff has been married to Sarah for 27 years, and they have 14 children, ranging in age from 3 to 25. Jeff works in marketing in Nashville, Tennessee, and is co-founder of Catholic Men of America. So it looks like we've got the right men here to provide their insight into this particular topic. So here's how this is going to go. Each presenter will have five minutes uh, for an opener followed immediately by a three-minute cross-examination period in which the opposing speaker, the other debater, will have the ability to ask his opponent directly uh, any clarifying questions he has. That'll be the period where these two interact directly with each other. Both mics will be on, uh, and it'll be largely unmoderated. Following that, then there will be uh, the other opener, another three-minute round of cross-examination, and then we'll have successive rounds of three-minute rebuttals until we're all exhausted and we have uh clarified uh all the points john has agreed that he will go first with his opening uh in this debate so without further ado john farrell thank you mike you know i've uh 
as a cradle Catholic, you've always just kind of heard that NFP is taught by the church, therefore it's okay. And then, but people say it's used liberally in that. And I've always thought something was kind of fishy about it. So I started looking into it a bit and then peeling back the layers and basically found out that no, the church does not teach that NFP is licit. It's just been promulgated or propagated by recent popes. And I'm thinking, well, how did this start? How did we get here? And I'm, I, I look back at with the, uh, the Anglicans at Lambeth, who were the first to say that procreation is not primary and therefore they can justify contraception. So how did that spread to the Catholics? Well, it's, uh, it, it's the fundamental part of this is the essence of marriage. NFP is part of the redefinition of marriage, is my point. Um, it is grave sin because it's not part of the essence, because procreation needs to be naturally part of the process. You cannot get rid of the conception part and just have the relations part. That's all that NFP is. It's hiding in plain sight. So back to the essence. This is the key point of my entire presentation or reason for going on Facebook and ruining everyone's day for years, because the essence of marriage has been um, redefined by the spirit of Vatican II. The essence of marriage, consider it to be an airtight box. You cannot, it's eternal. You can't put anything into it. You can't take anything out of it. It is, the essence can't be changed. Now, what's going on is, uh, once the Anglican started saying procreation isn't primary, you have changed the essence to give it no primary purpose. Therefore, without that, you cannot define it. Without a definition of the essence of marriage, anything goes. And that's what we have today. Basically anything, all sorts of crazy stuff caught me and called marriage. Love is love. Now, um, the Pius XII said, this, the other tricky part about NFP is you have good popes saying good things, and at the same time, they'll promote NFP. They'll, in other words, they're talking about both sides of their mouth. So Pius XII said, yes, procreation is primary, and it can it's essentially primary. You cannot change that. And at the same time, he says, but for grave cause, you can. So never before in the history of Christianity has anyone made legitimate NFP until he's Pius the 12th said this. And then, so now you have essentially, it's like saying abortion is intrinsically evil, except for hard cases. Now he's saying uh, NFP is intrinsically evil, except for hard cases. Then Vatican II fixed all that. They came in and eliminated the hierarchy of ends by just getting it under the rug. So now we have essence is up for grabs and therefore NFP can be justified because there is no primary purpose. So we've come full circle now and Pope Francis is saying the primary purpose is relationship. NFP is connected to no fault divorce or no sin divorce and it's connected to easy annulments because when you do not define essence you can do lots of things to the definition of consent and therefore annul or uh, you can't consent because there's nothing to consent to because it's not defined. 
it's kind of like giving up the welfare state. Now you've got all the people who are hooked on NFP and to tell them they can't have this and they can't have the no sin divorce and they can't have the easy annulment, the no love annulment. You can't take that away from people. So when I, no one wants to hear this. No one wants to go near this. I have lots of information, but I decided to try to put it in sound bites on social media to get a little traction and then argue it so that I could vet myself. And I so far have been able to get through all of it without being countered. Um, uh, I'm also going to hang around and make sure at the end of this that I answer everything on the comments, no matter how many years that takes, because the the truth is on my side on this. And the rest is, is NFP is essentially a snow job that has been delivered by trustworthy sources, which is why it's been taken in as church teaching, but it is not. All right. Uh, thank you for your uh, opening uh, five minutes. We'll now have a three minute period in which um, Jeff will be able to ask you any questions that he has. If you don't use any of the uh, of that time, Jeff, that's fine. You'll still have your full five minutes for your presentation. Thank you. Um, John, a couple of questions that I have based on three questions that I have based on your uh, your opening statement. Uh, number one, do you accept the post-conciliar popes as valid? Yes. Two, I go to Novus Ordo. Okay. And I got FSSP on Sunday, but. Okay, great. Number two, uh, how would you define abstinence? Well, how would you define abstinence? not doing something you be be specific in other words um abstinence means to abstain how do you mean exactly i i just want to give you the opportunity to define it before we we jump further into the debate i think defining terms is always a good idea okay well uh okay i guess when you say abstinence you're worse what is it it is as far as nfp is concerned it is uh cutting nature out of the picture so that we can have conjugal acts with no fertility. So that's what abstinence is in this application. You equate abstinence with NFP. They are one and the same, or is NFP a methodology for practicing abstinence? NFP is a method. NFP is contraception and it requires um, uh, circumscribing part of the calendar, which is illegal. You cannot circumscribe marriage but that's what happens all right and number three uh where in canon law or the catechism does the church teach that abstinence within marriage is sinful uh abstinence within marriage uh abstinence within marriage is not sinful just like abstinence between meals is not sinful but what is sinful is overturning the hierarchy of ends so that when you are pursuing something when your goal is not procreation with conjugal acts, that's grave sin because you've perverted the order. So you agree then that abstinence within marriage is not sinful? Abstinence within marriage? No, abstinence between lunch and dinner is not sinful. What is, is avoiding fertility and Use making continual use of the conjugal act. That's what's forbidden. 
Okay. It's, it's it's grave sin. Contraception is grave sin. Organic, plastic, however you want to call it. Okay. Well, Mike, I I think we can say success success number one is we have agreed that abstinence within marriage, which was the the topic of this debate, is not sinful. Well, I'll I'll leave it to you for your for your five minute presentation, uh, notwithstanding that, and we'll see uh, if if in his next um, uh, volley, if if John uh, refutes that statement or stands by it. Okay. Uh, well. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, formally, thank you, Mike, for agreeing to, to host this debate. And thank you, John, for agreeing to, to debate the important issue. It, it's, uh, and I thank the, the viewers who are, who are listening for sharing part of their time with, with us. Uh, today is a great day for this conversation because uh, St. Valentine uh, teaches us that love is intimately connected to sacrifice. And uh, that any time we separate sacrifice from love, then it's no longer authentic. It becomes a, a form of self-love. It's perverted. So even love, the, the highest good, can be perverted by fallen men. And I think that's a distinction that we're going to hear more about today as we discuss this issues, that even things that are morally good can be perverted and made bad by the intentions or the circumstances of men. Uh, St. Valentine also taught us about how fidelity to what the Catholic Church teaches uh, is the most important thing in our lives, uh, more important even than our lives, right? It's better to follow what the Church teaches, to lay down your life for that, than it is to uh, take up the Church teaching for your own and interpret it in a way that's contrary to what the Church herself teaches. So it, I think it's perfectly fitting that we're we're talking about this today. And I, I think that anybody who is married or who seeks to be married, or who wants to understand the nature of conjugal love, uh, would uh, be glad that we're exploring this issue. Sometimes people are, uh, you know, nervous about talking about this. Sometimes people think it's too sensitive. But let's face it: in 2022, confusion reigns uh, both outside the church and within the church. And so, uh, reaching clarity about these things, I think, is important. So, a couple of, uh, of things: the Catholic Church teaches that authentic love is ordered toward the good of others. Authentic love is not selfish, so it's not ordered uh, ultimately simply to one's self-pleasure. Uh, it's built upon the, uh, the exercise of rights. In this case, we're talking about marriage. The exercise of rights that both husband and wife have to that, that marital debt, as the church has called it. Authentic love within marriage is going to seek to build up the ultimate good of others. What does that mean? The ultimate good of our spouse is their salvation and their attainment of the beatific vision. Now, of course, this is not the primary end of marriage, but this is what love is ordered to. to. We know that the primary end of marriage, of course, is procreation and the education of those children. Why does the church uh, give us this great sacrament? Uh, so that we can uh, cooperate with God in the creation of more souls and to assist those souls in, in uh, getting to heaven. Now, I think it's very important at the outset of our debate that we define what abstinence is precisely because words have meaning. And as we've already seen in the first few minutes of this debate, there, there may be some confusion about what abstinence is, uh, what abstinence within marriage is, what NFP is. Uh, I'd like to offer the following definition of abstinence. Uh, the virtue by which a person controls the unruly movements of sexual desire or their other bodily passions. It's connected with the virtue of 
temperance. And it generally means continence. What is continence? Uh, that is the voluntary agreed upon by both parties uh, or forced by circumstances to abstain from what would otherwise be a good or a right. And in this case, we're talking about marital intercourse. Now, four things that I hope to demonstrate uh, today in our debate. Number one, that not only is abstinence within marriage permitted, but that it's a good. And we're going to start in the Old Testament and work all the way through uh, the New Testament to demonstrate that this is a consistent principle for the people of God. Number two, we're going to take a look at what the church fathers and the doctors of the faith and the popes have said about this. And they are unanimous about abstinence within marriage being a good, not just permitted, but an actual good. Number three, we will see how in the lives of the saints, they have demonstrated not just by their teachings, but by their example, that abstinence within marriage, even long-term or permanent abstinence, is a good and consistent with our lives. And number four, uh, we're going to see how anything which is a good can still be perverted and used for a sinful uh, method. And so what I'd like to ask, again, just for clarity, uh, whether my debate partner, John, if you agree that abstinence within marriage is not sinful and there is nowhere in the catechism or canon law that the church teaches that abstinence within marriage is sinful. Okay, it's uh, John's. Uh, John, you can answer that question, and then you'll have three minutes to. The ask focus it. is sure. The focus isn't on abstinence because everyone abstains sometimes. You know, you're not. The marriage rights aren't being used continually, and you're not continually eating. You're abstaining at some point. So the focus is on the act itself and the order that it's designed to. Um, uh, people say, "Well, you can do NFP as long as you're open to life." You are correct. Words mean things. So this this whole deal is a snow job of contraception with misdefinition presented by popes and everybody wants their NFP. So they just no one talks about it. no one counters it. And it's it's become institutionalized uh, at any rate. So the main thing is uh, or the main question to ask is, is that that hierarchy of ends? How do because you cannot engage in the act without having procreation primary. Now, obviously, the purpose of agenesic NFP, that's what they call it when you're trying to re, uh, avoid pregnancy, is to, to not get pregnant. So how can your pro primary purpose be procreation in the act while you are trying to avoid pregnancy? That's my question. Could you repeat the question again? Yes, the question is, if you need... Procreation primary must be in place if you are going to engage in the act. You must be trying to, you have to be trying to get pregnant. That's because that's nature. The nature of the act is pregnancy. That, that's why it's there for. That's the main purpose. If you are using it for something other than pregnancy, why is that not a perversion of the order? Well, we are people under authority. And so I would, I would, ask you where the church teaches that it must be primary in my will at the moment that I'm exercising my marital rights, that my will is directed primarily towards procreation for that act to be listed. Where does the church teach that? Cassie Canubi 59 and then everything before it. The, the essence is what's key. So if your will has changed the essence by 
blocking off half of the calendar so that this doesn't happen, you, you, you have created a new primary purpose. And Humanae Vitae admits as much in Humanae Vitae 16. They're like, during the infertile periods, it's all about love. Okay. The reason why they can get away with that is because there is no primary purpose anymore. The word primary, secondary disappeared African too. Uh, so there's, there's, this is why you can have procreation primary or you can have NFP, but you can't have both. Pope Francis recently came out and he admitted what everyone's been saying for a long time. The primary purpose, purpose of marriage is not procreation. He'll say it's it's life and love. He'll say it's community and all this kind of stuff. Um, uh, anyway, th that leads me to another question, unless you got one. And people say, as long as you're open to life, that's fine. Let's define open to life. Okay. Well, um, I, I appreciate the the uh, the answer. I, I I think we have a, a fundamental fundamental disagreement here. So you. I asked you where the church teaches that I must hold it in my my will, in my intellect, when I'm exercising my marital rights, that pregnancy is the is the primary end of this act in order for it to be listed. You confirmed that that was your position. You cited Cassidy Kanubi uh, 59, but that's not what it says. Let me read it to you. Holy Church knows well that not infrequently one of the parties has sinned against rather than sinning when for a grave cause he or she reluctantly allows the perversion of the right order. In such a case, of course, they're talking about artificial contraception. In such a case, there is no sin, talking about the, the party who does not consent, provided that mindful of the law of charity, he or she does not neglect to seek to dissuade and deter the partner from sin. Nor are those considered as acting against nature who in the married state use their right in the proper manner, although on account of natural reasons, either of time or of certain defects, new life cannot be brought forth. That's sexual activity within the infertile periods. For in matrimony, as well as in the use of matrimonial rights, there are also secondary ends, such as mutual aid, the cultivation of mutual love, and the quieting of concupiscence, which husband and wife are not forbidden to consider, so long as they are subordinated to the primary end and so long as the intrinsic nature of the act is preferred. So this paragraph in Cassie Kenobi actually says exactly the opposite of what you think it says. It says that these other ends are fine. It says that doing it for other reasons is fine. For example, out of a sense of charity, uh, let's say a, a husband has come home from work at the end of the day, he's tired, he's exhausted, he's worn out but his wife desires conjugal love. And he says yes to it merely out of, out of an act of charity, out of self-giving and love. Um, your interpretation is that that would be sinful uh, simply because he's not doing it with the intention of getting pregnant. That's not in any way supported no, by Cassie Kanubi. No, you... Oh. Now, okay. you also cited Humana Vitae 16. I can I can read it to you. It does not support in any way what you're saying. And if you yes, think it does. does support, please read it to us, cite it so we can be specific about this very important issue. Well, let me go back to Casti first. Uh, uh, the the first part of Casti fifty nine. Um, uh, they say the Holy Church knows that the party one party is sinned against rather than sinning. The only time you can use NFP 
is it's not even it's not to prevent pregnancy but to prevent onanism that's historically been the only time you could use it uh and that's why they 59 says it's a perversion of the right order because we're taking what's primary and making it not primary be um at any rate uh it, it's very simple the you cannot set things up so that a secondary end becomes the primary end, which is exactly what Humana Vitae says. So let me go to find Humana Vitae. Here it is. Okay, we go to 16. Um, so right towards the end of Humana Vitae 16, it says, um, oh, shoot, I got the French version. I, I got to get rid of that. Sometimes it's good to look at these church documents in other languages because there's stuff that the English version doesn't have. It's pretty interesting. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> it says when the infertile period occurs, they may use their married intimacy to express their mutual love and safeguard their fidelity towards one another. So there they're saying you don't have to use your marital intimacy for procreation if you choose to... Uh, block off the calendar, then you can use it for another reason. So they've eliminated that primary purpose. The The church has always taught that it's a venial sin to, you know, to just have lust in your mind. You have to, but it is a mortal sin to adjust the act or to change the essence of an act so that it does not produce babies. Um, it, uh St. Augustine was the one to start it, and it's been the, that way ever since. So this is why it was groundbreaking when Pius XII said, you cannot use NFP because it's a sin against nature, except for serious reasons. It doesn't make any sense, and they had to clean up that mass with Vatican II and eliminate the hierarchy of ends. So... Um, uh, my 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 thesis here what i'm saying is that you you can't do nfp because it's contraception that's what it is it's a grave sin in all cases there is no hard case that uh justifies nfp and casti canubi will say as much it, it says no no reason however grave John, let, let me jump in and because it, it does seem like we're you guys are talking past each other just a little bit for the benefit of the audience. Um, and then uh, I'll kick it over to you, John, because you you do uh, you, you do have a three minute period available to uh, to to rebut um, what Jeff has presented. But it seems like you guys are talking past each other insofar as Jeff is using the word abstinence in a much broader context than you are it seems like you're reducing the 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 idea of abstinence to just nfp um could you but you could could you talk about abstinence in general like abstinence during periods of time uh that the church calendar might uh might mandate or uh or other periods of abstinence and and whether or not that period of abstinence counts in terms of what you guys are talking about me Oh, yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm focused on the act. All pro NFP people are focused on the abstinence because they can say there's nothing wrong with abstinence. Yes. But there is something wrong with the act when combined with infertility. That's what NFP is. It is simply organic contraception. It's 
non-Catholics know it, but the Catholics have institutional bias. I'm glad you interrupted, um, Mike, because you're right. You, you, Jeff's thinking one thing, I'm thinking another thing, but you're the <clears throat> you're the uh, the viewer. So if you have the obvious question that's coming up, like what are these knuckleheads talking about? I want to try that. So it's not about abstinence per se, but when you engage in the act, it must be for procreation. When it's not, it's grave sin. NFP is not for procreation. You can say, well, it's all natural. Except what you've done is you've perverted the order. You have taken the natural destiny of which there is only one, that is offspring, per Cassidy Canubi 54, and you've sidelined it or you have circumscribed it out of your calendar. So we don't want nature or God's providence in this. We are going to we're going to tell God how we're going to manage uh, destiny. And we're only going to engage in the act when there's next to 0% chance of pregnancy. This is what you can't do. Uh, could, could you take your remaining time here and, and respond to this question from the live audience? It says, so okay. LD says, okay, so if a woman is already pregnant, she should abstain because obviously she can't conceive again while she's pregnant. And if you're saying that uh, you have to have in your mind that I'm conceiving in order to do the act. Is no, this, is you, uh, no, it, it's, it's, it says in Casti as well as historically, no, you, as long as you are not trying to avoid pregnancy, it's fine. I've, it, it, P.S. This whole topic is best done in writing so people can be thoughtful, careful, and clearly communicate because it's contentious and it can be tricky, which is why I want to follow up on the comments to get all the loose ends down. I I almost didn't want to debate because it's, it's, it's tricky to get it right, but in writing, I could do better. However, the answer to LD's question is pregnancy doesn't have anything to do with the licitness it is if it's um if it's voluntary sterility that's what you cannot do you cannot voluntarily try to pursue sterility that's what humanity vitae says there's another example of people talking out of both sides of their mouth the pope says procreation's primary except when it's not humanity vitae says you can pursue um you you cannot pursue involuntary infertility but then you can it says you know 11 contradicts 16 so there's tons of that but everyone likes their NFP, so who's going to argue? I think what we'll do now is we'll have Jeff. I'm going to give you another three minute period to cross examine John because, uh, you know, for us to just kind of go back and forth and talk past each other is not super productive. So maybe you can kind of uh, see ex exactly back to the definitions what, what you guys are actually talking about. I think it's important as Catholics to remember that we are under uh, the authority of the church in this matter. So it's not really up to us to have opinions and then prove those opinions. It's up to us to uh, form our consciences properly with, uh, with the, the bountiful information we have from the church on this topic. So let's look at the Catechism 2370. Periodic continence, that is the methods of birth regulation based on self-observation and the use of infertile periods, certainly NFP, that's what it sounds to me like the NFP would be, is in conformity with the objective criteria of morality. These methods respect the bodies of the spouses, encourage tenderness between them, and favor the education of an authentic freedom. Uh, so 
it's explicit what the church teaches. The church explicitly and has always taught that within marriage, couples have the right to embrace abstinence or continence, if you want to use the, the older term, uh, simply because they do not have sex or because they have sex on infertile days does not change the essence of the act. And, and, and here's a substantial problem with, John, with what you said. You said that, that using NFP or even just having an intention, which is not primarily pregnancy, changes the essence of the act. And, and that's a fundamental misunderstanding. The essence of the act is not altered by an intention. Uh, something which is, is good can, can become an evil act because the intention renders it evil, but the essence of it does not become evil. I may uh, eat too much. I may become gluttonous. That doesn't make food evil. Uh, so to, to bring that back around to our conversation, I might have sex for the reason of doing my duty within marriage. I might do it out of love for my wife. I might do it uh, with the intention of getting pregnant. These, these intentions, some are better than others, but they don't change the essence of that act. They do not make the act in any way immoral. I would challenge you again, if if you can find in canon law or in the catechism where it states that we all need to hear that I've searched exhaustively. So here's what I would ask. You said that NFP changes the essence of the act. That's right. Show us where the church teaches that. And secondly, since many people use NFP specifically for procreation, is it sinful for them to use this method, which you have called contraception? Is it sinful for them to use it to conceive? No, obviously not, because that's in keeping with the uh, primary purpose, with, which is procreation. That's why it's specify, I specify agenesic NFP. So NFP is fine if you're trying to get pregnant because you're going with the primary purpose. <clears throat> okay, yes, going with authority is correct, and we should do that. And I'm saying that the catechism isn't infallible, of course, and the church has always taught procreation primary. Now, when I, let me say a few things. When the CC, when you read stuff in the CCC, you got to read the footnotes. It footnotes to Humanae Vitae 16, which says taking advantage of the infertile periods can be fine and doesn't violate any problem, you know, is no problem. Okay, Humanae Vitae 16 gets their ammunition for that from one place only. That's midwife, the uh, 1951 Pius XII addressed to midwives, which is like a private thing. It wasn't, it's not church teaching. He just said, Procreation is primary, except for certain circumstances. So there's no, he broke with tradition right there. Um, uh, okay. Um, let's see. Abstinence is, okay. You're right. The essence, no matter what's going on in one's brain, you can't change the essence of marriage. That's true. But you can change it if you eliminate or substantially change the destiny of the act. You're going to do the act, but it must be coupled with the natural destiny. There's only one natural destiny as described in Casti Canubi 54, and that is offspring. Anything else is to change nature. So you are, and it also says in Casti 8, no one is allowed to circumscribe the primary ends of marriage. In other words, limit fertility. So Casti can, or NFP limits fertility. Now you are changing the essence 
of marriage by not allowing fertility. Um, and it's a perversion of the order. Uh, so you are physically doing something. It has nothing to do with what's in your brain. It's I have chosen to manipulate the 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 uh, the nature so that it doesn't produce kids. So it's a, it's a form. Of, you're using time as contraception. Okay, um, I have to correct you again. I'm sorry, Casty Kanubi 54, which you just cited in support of your argument, does not say what you claim it says. But no reason. However grave may be put forward by which anything intrinsically against nature, they're referring to contraception, onanism, uh, withdrawal, uh, or unchaste acts, may become conformable to nature and become morally good. Since, therefore, the conjugal act is designed primarily by nature for the begetting of children, those who, in exercising it, deliberately frustrate its natural power and purpose sin against nature, and commit a deed which is shameful and intrinsically vicious. They're not talking here about having sex or not having sex. They're talking about sex which is deliberately frustrated by an act, such as contraception, uh, onanism, or, or uh, unchaste acts, which St. Thomas and others refer to, uh, such as oral or anal activity or manual activity. It's very clear that's what they're talking to. You will see in this language, nowhere is there the statement that NFP is contraception. Uh, and and you said that that Paul VI, or perhaps you meant Pius Twelfth, was departing from tradition uh, when they were referring to uh, to abstinence or continence. That's simply not true. You said the catechism repre uh, references Humanae Vitae. You're absolutely right. Humanae Vitae 16, uh, which does not in any way condemn NFP or, or continence or, or abstinence. Quite the opposite. Here's what Here's what it says. If therefore there are well-grounded reasons for spacing births arising from, and then they give the four principles that have always been taught by the church about why abstinence can be used, physical, psychological, health, or external circumstances, such as uh, traveling, uh, a war, uh, you've been put in a lockdown camp because of pandemics, uh, your wife is sick, you are on the streets um, starving and begging for food. There are all sorts of reasons uh, that the church has given, they are cited not just by the catechism, not just by Humanae Vitae, but going back to what uh, Pius Twelfth had said, and he himself is drawing upon 19th century teachings. There's just no way uh, departing from tradition. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to read that for you as well, but the, the Pius XII's comments to midwives being used by a, a, a successor of his in Humanae Vitae demonstrates it's not a private teaching. It is, in fact, the teaching of the church. And, and I, I want to ask again, you're saying that NFP is evil, but we've already agreed that NFP used for procreation is not evil. So would you like to amend your statement and say NFP is Seriously, not intrinsically no. evil? NFP is evil. Conceptive NFP is evil. And it is not, okay? Because it's primary purpose. So couple things right quick. yes first corinthians seven twenty one or whatever there can be a time for abstinence if you want but it's not to avoid children it's for prayer back to casti 54 you use the the, the conjugal is primarily by nature you said it is designed primarily by nature it the destiny of the conjugal act 
by nature is primarily for the begetting of children. So if you change the destiny, you have changed the nature of the act. That's why. Who, who says that? Cassie Kenobi right there in 54. I, I just read it. It does not contain those words. Okay. It says the conjugal act is destined, meaning there is one destiny of the conjugal act. And that's the beginning of children. The only natural destiny of the conjugal act is the beginning of children. NFP is designed, or a genetic NFP is designed to not, to, to, for no children. So it's an unnatural destiny. This is why it's against nature. Now, he goes on to say, it you cannot deliberately frustrate the natural power, which is what NFP does. It frustrates the egg and the sperm, it frustrates fertility. It's keeping them away using time. It also frustrates the purpose because the purpose of the conjugal act, the only natural purpose, is offspring. You have given it a new purpose, which is love. And that's what Pope Francis says is the new purpose. So this, it, this you, you overturn the hierarchy of ends, which is why everyone says Vatican II changed nature. Vatican II can't change since, but they can talk a good game and everyone goes, everyone wants their contraception. Um, so uh, let me think, what else was I going to say? Uh, I guess that's it for now. Um, but what do you got for me? Well, Pius Twelfth, in that address to the midwives says that there are moral grounds for using periodic abstinence. Uh, the the lawfulness of that conduct would be affirmed or denied according to, quote, whether or not the intention to keep constantly to those periods is based on sufficient and reliable moral grounds. Now, we've talked about those moral grounds already. Pius Twelfth says elsewhere that serious reasons are medical, eugenic, economic, and social grounds, which can, quote, exempt from that obligatory service even for a considerable period of time, even for the entire duration of the marriage. So how do you reconcile your claim that temporary abstinence is evil if in fact the popes have said and the saints by their lives have shown that even permanent abstinence can be okay? How, how do you reconcile what you're saying with what the popes have taught? Because the, the purpose of the, in other words, what is the purpose of the act if you are trying to avoid pregnancy, why are you why are you engaging in marital relations if you're trying to avoid pregnancy? What is the purpose of the act at that point? Well, uh, the the purpose of the act can be primary for pregnancy, as the Pope uh, said. We just quoted, or it could be, as I've said already, it could be a, one of just love, or it could be even a duty. Okay, Would so you if you're trying to avoid pregnancy... By not if, having sex. No, no, no. If you're trying to avoid pregnancy, but are using the contract, what is the purpose of the contract while you're trying to avoid pregnancy? Well, you would have to tell me what the intention is. I asked you to show where the church teaches that the essence of something is changed by the intention. We agreed that it was not changed. So... How are you now saying that, that that the essence of that act is modified by my intention? You think my intention to do my duty is somehow defective. Where does the church teach that? I want to do my duty according to the marital debt. How is that an immoral act? 
uh, it's not an immoral act to do your duty, but okay. you, you can only do your duty if you have a right to go with it. And if you, I have that right. If I'm married, that's what okay, we're talking so about. You can, yes, yes. But the, the right cannot be exercised without the duty. And I'm, there's the, <laughs> the duty is to have kids, to have the primary purpose. So primary NFP, purpose. NFP is the right without the duty because you have, because you say you have grave cause. So this is the, here's the, this is the hiding in plain sight part that I'm talking about. You, you have a, if you're using NFP to avoid babies, you should be using complete abstinence. If you have serious cause to not have a baby, you need complete abstinence. So, because if you use, Puff describes NFP as the continual use of the right without the, the duty. That described it. Um, so, you've now created a new primary purpose. Can you see why I say that? No, I, I don't understand where you're getting it. It's it's almost as if you you are wishing the popes had said something that they've not said. And in that absence, w wanting to supply your own opinion, and yet you end at a, at a conclusion which is actually the opposite of what the, the church is teaching. I'm troubled by your claim that, that Pius Twelfth departed from tradition uh, when he talked about these four reasons why which we can abstain, all of which, as far as I know, are are reasons that people uh, claim to use NFP. Now, whether they whether they interiorly adhere to that, I don't know. I, that's beyond my competency to say. But but if we say that Pius XII departed from tradition, I think we have to de defend him from that. Back in 1853, the Roman sacred penitentiary was replied to a request. Uh, by a bishop exactly along these lines. It was a dubium uh, by a bishop in France. And he said, should those spouses be reprehended who make use of marriage only on those days, which in the opinion of doctors, conception is impossible. So it's exactly what we're talking about. And the Roman response was, which was published widely, is easily uh, found. Rome replied that after mature examination, we have decided that such spouses should not be disturbed or disquieted provided they do nothing that impedes generation. So, so even in the 19th century, long before uh, your claim of, of, uh, of conciliar infection, the church was teaching precisely what the catechism says today. Wrong. As long as the act is not impeded, that, that's, that's how they define artificial contraception, a barrier, a, a chemical, or onanism. As long as it, that's not what's happening. If they're merely choosing sometimes to have sex, which is their right, and sometimes to not have sex, which is abstinence, that, that they're not to be impeded. Why? Because there's there's no moral problem with not exercising my right. We get back to, to St. Paul. So how can, by mutual consent, abstaining for a day, two days, a month, a year, how could that possibly be sinful in and of itself? It's not in and of itself, but what is sinful is the act with the wrong primary purpose. So if you, uh, by the way, back in the penitentiary, they were, it was because onanism was a problem if you were trying to abstain completely. It, the only reason you could use the infertile periods was to avert onanism, which is exactly what Casti 59 says. Um, at any rate, it, it, uh, I got to go back to 54. 
Casty 54, because that's where we kind of left off. Before Pius Twelfth, and every time before him, it says, no reason, however grave, may be put forward that anything intrinsically against nature will become conformable to the moral good. No reason, however grave. Then he says, it's like, if you've got a tough time, if you got 27 kids, if you got this, you got that. No reason, however grave, may be put forward if it's against nature. And they don't mean just contraception, plastic. They mean changing the nature of the act when you reverse ends. So if you change the purpose of the act, you are against nature and you can't do it no matter how grave your situation is. This is where Pius XII came in and flipped that for the first time in the history of Christianity after the Anglicans in 1930. And they said, if you do have grave cause, you can use your marriage rights for another purpose than procreation. Funny thing, if you look at what the Anglicans say as to how they justify contraception, Humanae Vitae almost lifts word for word the Anglican statement and puts it in Humanae Vitae. If you've got good reasons, it's it's like almost exactly from the Anglicans. It's pretty amazing. But it goes down to the basic question, which you kind of snaked out of. And I want to ask you the question, what, Jeff, is the reason for, what's the primary reason for relations while avoiding pregnancy? Uh, the primary reason for relations could be multiple. It could be love. It could be uh, doing their duty, right? It could be uh, a bifurcated intention. The wife could have one intention. The husband could have another. Those intentions could be good or they could be evil, but it does not make the act inherently evil. And, and so if the wife desires to conceive the husband desires to do his duty, that, that, is not, that does not make the act immoral. Uh, I, I, th I think you're, you're overreaching. You continue to reference, for example, Humanae Vitae, and yet the, the paragraph you're referencing, e even, if, even if we could step back for a second and say that we agreed with your interpretation of it, the very next paragraph condemns that concept. So Humanae Vitae 55, um, Small wonder, therefore, if Holy Writ bears witness that the divine majesty regards with the greatest detestation this horrible crime and at times be punished with it. St. Augustine notes, and here's where we get the clarity, intercourse even with one's legitimate wife is unlawful and wicked where the conception of the offspring is prevented. And who does he cite? Onan. Why? Because they're not talking about sex during an infertile period. They're talking about an act which deliberately frustrates it. Uh, such as a barrier method, such as a chemical or or with withdrawal, or as St. Thomas says in support, uh, Humanae Vitae cites St. Thomas later, uh, some sort of other unnatural act, manual, oral, anal, something like that. They are not referring to a defective intention. Uh, and I would ask you again, cite something that supports your notion that a husband or a wife having a defective intention, that means something less than pregnancy as the only end, cite something that actually says that and, and that you're not just reading into. Because otherwise, you're just saying things about these documents that the documents themselves don't say. Help me out. It's, it's, it's again, if you're, 
the intention cannot be for lust. It's a venial sin if that's the truth, if that's the case. And there's it's back there somewhere. I mean, there's lots of that stuff written. But if you set things up like Onan did, so that a child, so you, so that lest a child be born, that's that was the sin right there. He took steps so that there would be no child born, and that was what it says in the Bible. You can't do that. NFP does the same thing. It takes steps so that there can be an act with no child born. And it's 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 onan and it's just female onanism. She keeps the egg away from the situation with the calendar. Um uh anyway, back to I asked you what the primary purpose of the act would be if there was um if you're trying to avoid pregnancy and you said there'd be a multiple different things, it's Casty 54 says that stuff is forbidden because you have the, you, everything must be subordinated to the primary end and that's procreation. So if you're not pursuing procreation, you cannot pursue the act. Would you agree with that? No, as we've already uh, given the example from the, the popes, uh, you could have medical reasons, you could have eugenic reasons, you could have economic reasons or, or social reasons. That's from, from Pius the, the, the 12th. But no reason, however grave, is what he says. No, uh, that's Well, he's just giving the example that we've cited from Humanae Vitae, as well as the allocution to the midwives, that these other reasons are, are totally permissible. You are you're saying something that does not exist in, in the teaching of the Catholic Church. No, it does exist in the teaching. They're against nature. And this is what Casti Canubi says. No reason, however grave, can if it's against nature, you can't do it. Obviously, contraception is against nature. But when you pursue something with essence, when you've changed the essence of the act, either through physical contraception or through timing so that you constantly do the act without the baby you've changing the essence you have changed the primary purpose he says it's forbidden and it's an act that's intrinsically vicious this you can't why- change the essence you can't change the essence of the act and it's it's clear here from paragraph 55 you can change this the is- essence what you can change the essence by altering the natural destiny who, who teaches that it's possible to change an essence of a thing when you pervert the order, that's what it says in Casta. You cannot pervert the order and you do it through contraception. You now have a new primary purpose. Thank you, Anglicans 1930 for the new primary purpose. And now it's love. That's the primary purpose. That's why ask Christopher West. He'll tell you it's all about love. If love is number one, it's cool, but it's not. And this is why it's such, okay, I'm, I'm, I, I want, and first it's just me blabbing on. I want to try to get to the, the elephant in the living room. You cannot have a new primary purpose. And you're telling me, and if you read Humanae Vitae, it admits it right out there. You can have a, a different primary purpose if you have a good reason to avoid a baby. Am I wrong about that? Yes, you've asserted something, but you failed to support it by evidence. And the paragraph 54, which I have read uh, in this debate for everyone to hear, does not say what you claim it says. And if there's any confusion about it all, the very next paragraph makes explicit, no pun intended, 
that what they're referring to is onanism, which is also encompasses things like oral, anal, manual, things which deliberately frustrate the end. Let's be clear, whether you like NFP or not, the truth about it is it does not deliberately frustrate the end. Why? Because the man still deposits his seed in the woman and conception is possible. Now you may think, or my doctor may think that it's unlikely. You might even think it's impossible as Zachariah and his wife thought it was impossible. But the essence of the act is unchanged and the primary end still remains possible. Namely, it is possible to get uh, pregnant using NFP even if the intention was not there. I think there are lots of people you could ask and say, have you ever gotten pregnant even though you were using NFP? And many of them will respond and say, yes. Why? Because the woman's body is not a scientific instrument that can be predicted with perfection. And so uh, so long as both couples are still there and present and have not done anything to artificially prevent that, she can and sometimes does get pregnant. For example, there are women who are, uh, are known even to ovulate twice in a month. Is that common? No, but it does happen. What's the difference between NFP and an actual contraception? Well, using actual contraception, uh, a barrier method, for example, she wouldn't get pregnant regardless, but with NFP, she still might, and that, that happens. Or the woman is still uh, nursing her child and thinks that she has delayed or prevented uh, a cycle from happening. Hey, Hold on. Go out. Hold on. Go but ahead. But okay, uh, go ahead. Sorry. But that method uh, uh, of of suppressing ovulation because she's nursing, that's not uh, infallible either. And so it's possible for her to conceive even before she's had her first period. Uh, NFP is not preventing that from happening. It's they're just the the practitioners are attempting to time when they do a good or when they choose not to do the good. They are simply remaining open to that. So that's why your argument fails, just prima facie. It fails I keep thinking, man, you're a gaslighter, Jeff. You're just like totally. It's like, listen, um, what you said, NFP does not frustrate the end of marriage. That's what you said, right? NFP does not frustrate the end of marriage. That's what, is that correct? I may have misheard you. Did you say that I was gaslighting? No, you are a gaslighter. You keep telling, you keep saying all this kind of stuff. I'm like, it's like, let's just try to focus on, instead of keep telling me uh, what the stuff says and everything, it's like, dude, the, what is, you say NFP does not frustrate the end of marriage. And I'm saying, okay, if the end of marriage is procreation, NFP does everything possible to not allow procreation, how does that not frustrate the end? I have read you the documents of the church. I have shared with you the teaching of the Did you answer the question, politician? We have, we have shown how every one of your assertions is contrary to the, Gaslighting. the normal meeting of the words. Uh, you want to you want to make accusations against me personally? I guess I, I understand why. No, to not personal. From, to distract from the failure to prove your point. Uh, how does NFP not frustrate the normal and and natural end of marriage? Because people can use NFP to have children. Right. They, they can use the NFP. Please don't. Pardon please me. don't. 
I'm Please sorry, don't add ahead. to the disrespect by interrupting. I've listened patiently to you. People can use NFP not just to conceive children, but to space those children. So whether somebody has three children using NFP or 14 children using NFP, how would those 14 children then prove that the natural ends of marriage have been frustrated by NFP? How? I'm, I'm strictly speaking about age and SP. I'm never talking conversation about nfp used to have there's no issue there it's all about the primary purpose so when i speak of nfp i'm shorthanding it for agenesic meaning nfp designed to not have kids and you're saying that contraception or you would admit contraception frustrates the natural end so i'm asking how does agenesic nfp not frustrate the natural end just children how does it frustrated because you have asserted but failed to prove that nfp is contraception and so sub simply substituting those words doesn't prove your point okay you, would need so, to you wouldn't need excuse me you would need to demonstrate it which you have failed to do you've cited things in fact that support i've succeeded in doing, i'm trying to ask you a question that you're just dancing all over the place so I've, let, I've already, let's, let's do this. I've already answered the question, Mike. Let's let's do this, gentlemen. Um, here's here's what I like to do. I, John, I'd like to give you your closing five minutes, but I have I do have a specific question that hopefully you can you can get to and answer in your okay. closing five minutes, and then we'll have Jeff come in and and he'll land the plane on on his uh, yes, closing sure, five fine. minutes. Um, so one of the questions that I do have for you though, and I think I think I speak for a lot of the people in the live audience is that you 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 seem to be saying that it's okay to abstain from the marital act in the periods of time in which you would need you basically for for any number of reason right for you it seems like you said that there's nothing morally wrong with abstinence uh for periods of time and it, and you conceded that point up front early on um can you can you try to clarify in your in your final 5 minutes what is the difference between abstaining uh, because uh, of some reason that you believe is okay and abstaining uh, it, like in, in some reason that you you think is not okay? In other words, help us understand in your mind, you, we, we, we get it. I think I get it. Uh, we all get it. You don't like NFP. Um, I'm not a big fan of NFP either, uh, to be honest. But when you, but, but, your your argument though i'm 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 really struggling to follow it is that it's okay to abstain if it's if you if it's a lenten uh penance it's okay to abstain if your wife is pregnant it's okay to abstain if you are old and and uh, and past the childbearing age um but 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 why is it not okay to abstain in other cases so take your take your time uh 5 minutes i'm going to put up the clock i want you to uh if you can please um Answer that. Answer that question as well as um, as making your final point. Okay. Uh, you can, as far as abstain, you got three minutes. Um, don't I have five minutes? Okay, thanks. Uh, abstinence is not the issue. If you are going to abstain, there must be a purpose for it. And if you're going to abstain to avoid pregnancy. That can be fine. However, you cannot time your abstinence to avoid pregnancy with the continuous use, the continual use of the conjugal act. The NFP proponent 
want to focus continence and abstinence at the time. Definition of NFP is continual use act creating the primary duty that is stated Pius the twelfth when he said it's only for grave cause to to it's the perpetual use the continual use of the act in other words regular use with a primary duty and you're doing that by the calendar this is what is grave sin. A woman is saved through childbearing. She's persistent the whole time. Cannot, in same time, Francis de Sales, dangerous stuff. You can't play with it. So I hope question. NFP is, it does, it frustrates the power, the end of marriage and the, the purpose. The purpose, there's only one natural purpose. And that is procreation. If you, play with that in any way, you are changing the nature of the act. You are, I'm going to manipulate the act, manipulate the nature of the act to produce a different destiny. That is a sin against nature, and it can never under any circumstances be done, which is what Cassidy Kennedy says in 54. I'm kind of repeating myself, but I'm just to get it across. Uh, now, Jeff, I've tried to argue with Jeff a little on Facebook, but he doesn't really engage because this this is a slippery topic and it runs all over the place and it's difficult to pin down. Jeff is the operator and will spin on this and he can win the debate all he wants. But it's like we need to define what is the purpose of the act when the goal is no pregnancy. Humana Vitae admits the obvious. It's to work on the relationship and, and fidelity and stuff like that. That can never be the primary purpose. It must be procreation. Obviously, an NFP act is the same as a regular act. However, it is done in an environment that's unnatural. You have sterilized the NFP environment. Bypassing nature, it's against conception. It is conception control or again, that's all it is, which is why it, it, it's been illegal from the start. Then, and it, it cast, if, it, if it's going to be stated anywhere, it's going to be in Casti, which it's not. If the Protestantism, it's it it makes turns you into a Catholic. If you look at the history of NFP, it turns you into a, you can't be for NFP because I the history is with Pius the Twelfth, and he did it out of thin air. NFP is unnatural, except in grave cases, it can be okay. It's a non-story. The reason why so many people accept it is because it's been delivered by good popes who have said contrary things, but it, but he wants it. Yes, this topic, be, I mean, if you have any standing in a church or an organization or anything, you cannot come out and say you're against NFP or NFP is immoral. You have no life after that. You've got, so it's, it's like a super dead issue. But like I said, since I've got, you know, I'm not a part of any organization. I can 
like I said, speak freely. And by the way, while I got on my, this book right here, the, the case concerning Catholic contraception by Michael Malone. I have it in, it's amazing. This guy died in 2000. There's so much in here. Not This book is amazing. I have it in, in ebook form. If anyone wants it, you think I'll send it to you. It, it, it explains so much how this NFP is dead to rights, but because it's politically incorrect, it, it doesn't really fly with modern capitalism. All right. Thank you so much, John. Um, Jeff, I want to add you back into the stream. I'd like to uh, restart the five-minute um, countdown, and you can make your closing remarks uh, for this uh, really exciting debate here. Uh, thank you, Mike, for uh, hosting this debate. And thank you, John, for agreeing to be uh, a part of debating this important issue. Uh, I thank all the, the viewers who've taken the time to uh, try to discern with some clarity about this issue. Uh, I mentioned at the outset uh, of the debate that I was going to cover four things. I just want to review those four things in the next four minutes. I told you that I would demonstrate from a scripture that abstinence uh, periodic or permanent within marriage is in fact permitted from Moses at, at, uh, at Mount Sinai all the way through St. Paul in the New Testament. We see constant and repeated references to abstinence. God does not command us to do things that are sinful, uh, whether it's uh, the priest uh, Zechariah who was abstaining before the sacrifice uh, in the altar, or it's uh, uh, you know, uh, St. Paul referring to a husband and wife who need to abstain for uh, for a good reason. We see that this is true. Secondly, I told you that we would cover the, the church fathers and the doctors of the faith and the popes. And and I have repeatedly referenced those, whether it's uh, Origen or Tertullian in the first couple of centuries, the Apostolic Age, or it's Jerome and, and St. Augustine, uh, the angelic doctor, St. Thomas, uh, and even the modern popes, however else they may have uh, failed in their duty uh, to fight modernism, they have consistently repeated the same traditional teaching about periodic abstinence. Uh, we, we Third, I promised that I would show you how the lives of the saints uh, demonstrated that abstinence is a good, not just a, a moral neutral, but a good. Uh, whether it's St. Isidore or, or St. Vincent Magdalarius or St. Uh, Gregory uh, or Our Lady and St. Joseph who practiced abstinence in their marriage for the entirety of their marriage, that love can be ordered consistent with sacrifice. Love can be ordered in a way that's designed to uh, promote the good of the other spouse. Remember, it's the, the mystical union that is the primary end of our lives that we're aiming for. Uh, fourth, I would say that if we've learned something else demonstrated here today is that a good can be corrupted by a bad intent. It does not change the essence of the thing. In Latin, it would be the rest. The, the essence of the thing is not changed by my bad intention. So food might be good. Uh, I might become gluttonous. I might overeat food. That, that intention, that abuse of the good does not change the good. Uh, drink is good, but there is intemperance that doesn't make wine uh, evil. Uh, lust uh, is evil, is, is bad, but that doesn't mean that sex is bad. Continence or abstinence within a marriage does not change the essence of the sacrament. It does not change the essence of conjugal love. It is possible, despite what, what moderns will tell you, 
that uh, there's there's something beyond sex. It's possible that that a husband and wife can uh, abstain for a while for a variety of reasons, but still be ordered to a good, possibly even a higher good, as St. Paul says in terms of prayer and fastings. So uh, in conclusion, we've seen that the modern popes have reiterated the traditional teaching of the church that periodic abstinence is acceptable, even permanent within a marriage is acceptable. We read the quotes from Humanae Vitae and from Pius XII's allocution to midwives. I read you the statement from the, period, uh, from the periodicals in France, which quoted the sacred penitentiary in 1850. That was a long time before NFP was around. Uh, there is no teaching in the church that says you must have as many children as possible. There is no teaching anywhere in the church that periodic abstinence is sinful. There is no teaching that you must hope to get pregnant every time you have sex. It doesn't exist. In this time of confusion, my friends, we must study what the church teaches. In humility, we should submit to it, even if we uh, think we know better. And we cannot allow the example of the modernists who pick and choose what they, they believe or just dissent from teaching uh, uh, and choose something that's the opposite of the teaching of the church simply because we have a different preference. We are Catholics. That is, that's not possible. Now, I hope that this debate has proven helpful in some way that has brought clarity to this question uh, for my brothers and sisters. Uh, I would conclude with asking for the intercession of St. Valentine, uh, St. Joseph, and Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception. Pray for us. All right. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Um, John joining uh, us on Restoring the Faith for the first time. Jeff, uh, welcome back. And um, I hope that everyone shares this uh, debate widely. Uh, we ran an internal poll just on the live stream, only got 80 votes, so the results aren't uh, worth showing. But I'll uh, run a poll on Twitter as well to see who you guys thought won uh, the debate. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel and like the Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. Both of you have active Twitter and social media accounts. Do you want to uh, give folks your um, your handles? I'm like, sure. uh, I, I, no, because everyone knows what it is. I mean, I think it's called annulment proof. Or I'm the easiest guy in the world to get a hold of. And I, I'm not shy. So I mean, come, you know, I'm, I think I'm easy to find. Sure, Mike. I'm on all the social media platforms that are my name, Jeff Kassman. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. God bless you and St. Valentine pray for us. Thank you.
Thank you.